every day when we get that central inverter flip back on or deal with no communication, you know, everybody's blind to the site. We're the ones in the field making that happen. And I think it's kind of inevitable that field guys, labor guys are kind of downplayed to a certain extent. But in this industry, all the technicians out there, they need to be supported by not just their companies, but the industry as a whole. It's a really important message. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangin. So let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I'm really excited to have this episode of the podcast. Our guest, Jesse Waters from Triforce Energy. Jesse, it's great to have you on the podcast. If you don't know, I've been actually trying to get Jesse since episode two or three of the podcast in 2018, and he's finally on the podcast. It's great to have you, Jesse. Thank you for being here. My pleasure, Benoit. Thanks for having me. It would be great if you could talk about what you do at Triforce Energy yeah, for sure. So I am the co-founder of Triforce Energy. The company was incorporated back in 21, but business partner Chris Grapples and I went live with the business April 4th of 22. So we're coming up on our almost year and a half anniversary. Triforce Energy, we are a commercial utility scale solar field service provider that are focused on three main core pillars of the business, which are inspections, testing, and repairs for those commercial utility assets. Our main hub right now is New Jersey, where we started the business. And going back a step, the company was originally named New Jersey Solar Services. But as we've gotten more and more traction so quickly, we are clients, you know, a lot of our key clients have needs all across the country, but we're trying to stay focused in the tri-state area. So again, we started as New Jersey Solar Services, but then transitioned and rebranded the company a few months back and renamed it Triforce Energy. We service New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania currently. Can you talk about why O&M is so important for a project that, you know, we have talked about in previous podcasts. Chris has actually been on the podcast before two episodes. What should our listeners, we call Mavericks, know about operations and maintenance? Why is it so essential when you have a project? The first thing that comes to mind is that solar service is way harder to manage and perform than what most people expect or what they ever imagined it to be, especially in the CNI space. We work on systems from 50 kilowatts to 25 megawatts. We're talking really large commercial or smaller utility assets. There's a lot of moving parts. I'm in mean, that smaller space. A lot of dispatches daily to multiple sites, um, to being on jobs for a few days at a shot. But whenever I think about what we do, I'll call it the redheaded stepchild division <laughs> of the solar industry. Uh, like so people think, you know, we're kind of behind the scenes. We're like solar technician ninjas in a way that we're in, we're out, and we're the ones that are actually keeping these systems safe and online, trying to get them to meet those expected production values that the investors and asset owners have aimed for in the beginning. So so it's a really difficult field to be in. It's not for everyone, but we strongly believe it's a really specialized business. I know that a lot of EPCs, their hands have been forced when they sold contracts originally. Let's rope in an O&M contract and we'll figure out how to do it later on. I've seen that multiple times at so many companies and our main focus is just purely on services and those three core pillars I was talking about, the inspections, testing, and repairs. But we also really want to help out those EPCs. We strongly believe in staying focused with what our core skill set is. And if not, you're just kind of doing good at a whole bunch of things instead of doing really darn good at just that one or two things. 
you know, what we've seen is solar assets tending to underproduce because it wasn't all to the right specifications or there really wasn't a good O&M plan. And obviously investors have their threshold returns. Projects been historically underproducing. So obviously O&M is such a huge part of it. Amazing how like technology has really like improved O&M. Can you go into certain things? Like I know we were talking about drones earlier or, you know, with string inverters, you're able to figure out which panel it is so it's easier for operations and maintenance. But I'm sure you could talk to it a lot more than I could. Yeah, for sure. What you just said about the expectation, really, that resonates with me a lot. I first got in the industry in around 07, 08 or so. And so, you know, state systems that are 10, 12 years old now, over the past 10 or 12 years, clients will call us and say, there's something wrong with our system, something wrong. And we'll go out and do an inspection, super thorough inspection. And we find that there's really not much wrong with the system. But then we ask, can we see your PV system model? Sure. You know, we want to see your system model. Yeah. And in my experience, the modeling has been a little bit all over the board. I mean, I've seen modeling for Buffalo, New York, where there are zero snow losses in that model, which like really, really hurts the client's expectations. And then it hurts the service companies because they think that it's just on service. There's a lot going on right now. The technology keeps evolving. Module wattage keep getting better and better. We still see sites that there's 185 watt modules out there. And now we're starting to see 450 plus. Amazing technology. It's crazy. And then seeing legacy systems being at 600, then 1,000, now 1,500. I'm curious where it's going to go after that. So sure. I can expect, you know, maybe we'll go to 2,500 one day. But I think the hottest thing that's been going on for us besides the summer on the East Coast, which is really tough, how that really impacts your business and what's happening. For sure. That's a good one. First, it impacts our technicians. Our guys are out there and they're working, I'd say, I mean, minimum eight hour days. It could be 10, 12 hour days sometimes because now we have those long sun hours that we can get more done. We get so many calls during the peak production season, which we're in right now, a lot of zero generation, full site outages, no communications, under production of systems. We're doing a lot of triage work right now, just keeping systems online. There's not much time over the summer to do corrective repairs and some minor cleanup of sites, you know, rust abatement or wire management. We do that when we can, but we're really trying to just keep these systems online. But the technology, it's still pretty much the same. You know, we have we still have centrals, we still have string inverters, we still have optimizers. But with the rapid shutdown devices, that's like the hottest thing we're dealing with right now. So Triforce Energy has been engaged by multiple asset owners, developers, financiers, financial institutions to be their eyes and ears and their agent to inspect a lot of these rapid shutdown devices. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but all I care about is, you know, safe PV systems and the betterment of the PV industry as a whole, because that's, you know, my livelihood is keeping them really, really safe. The last thing that you want to hear about is a thermal event or a fire water facility. But some of these rapid shutdown devices, they're intended to keep these systems safer, I should say, but they've been causing thermal events. So we've been out there doing a lot of inspections on these devices. We're working with a really great company. Well, backing up on stuff. Sure. The manufacturers have given us some guidance. I won't call it any of them, but they've given us some guidance on next steps, like what you should look for, you know, here's recommended scope of work, et cetera, et cetera. Can you actually define what rapid shutdown guidance is for listeners? Oh, I don't know the exact 
back on so far removed yeah. from the fine details of the code running the business. But the rapid shutdown devices are meant to disconnect that high DC voltage right at the modules themselves instead of having really long runs of DC oh, going true. across the room, mm-hmm. right? Like I remember a couple of years back when you just keep streamers really close to those subarrays. Mm-hmm. And I'm no expert on RSDs at all. So take that for what it's worth. I could be a little wrong there too. <laughs> Again, back to what I was saying is that we're finding a lot of thermal events that are happening. These devices are bubbling, melting on roofs. They cause some fires on very large rooftops. And going back again to those scopes of work from that were recommended to us by our clients and also by the manufacturers, we actually came up with something that I think is much, much better and much more detailed to find these issues. And what we have done is we've been working with a really great drone pilot in New Jersey, John Maraglia of the Drone Life. And John and I talked a lot about this and thought about what the actual scope of work should be and how detailed our drones and their thermal imaging. John's been coming out to us, to sites with us, with one or two technicians, and he's flying his drone about 20 to 30 feet above the mud, which they don't normally fly that low. And we've been able to accurately identify these melted or burned up rapid shutdown devices. So that's the biggest thing that we're dealing with right now, besides all the normal preventive maintenance and correct repairs and outages that are going on, inverter replacements left and right. But I can say that with inverter replacements, we're not running across as many as we used to. So the technology is definitely getting better and better, which is great for us and great for the asset owners. But yeah, that's the hot topic these days is how to keep these systems safer and safer. And we're learning new and new things each and every day. Yeah, that's exciting. Those things are always changing. I think actually it's interesting. You talked about how you've been in the solar industry since 2008, which if you think about it, now being 2023, 15 years in the industry. So in dog years, it's like 60 or 70 years. That's what it yeah. feels like I've been in that long, 60 or 70 years. It would be great if you could talk about your background, how you got to where, you, you know, the Solar Maverick podcast is about entrepreneurship. You know, obviously you co-founded Triforce Energy with Chris Grablitz, who obviously has been on the show before. I consider myself definitely more of a hybrid. I worked out in the field for years as a blue collar guy, worked in the office for years, white collar. So my button ups now definitely have a blue collar underneath the white. I was about 13 years old. I was living with my uncle and my uncle was a residential electrician. He'd do a lot of side work. So he would get me to go out and I'd be in an attic in the middle of summer, new construction, pulling Romex throughout these attics and these new houses. And I hated doing electric work. I did that for a few years with him and I hated it. I wanted no part of being an electrician. And then I you know, graduated high school, went to community college for a year. It was never really big just on studying and schooling. It just wasn't my thing. I was definitely more hands-on. So I went to community college for a year, Northampton Community College in Pennsylvania, and did that for a year. Got some odds and end jobs after that. And then my uncle said, you got to buckle down, kid. You yeah. know, best advice I ever got. Of course, as a young guy, I'm out partying, having a good time and just you know, trying to live up life. He helped me get a job at Defender for Electrical Contractors in Allentown, PA. And I was a truck driver. So I used to work in the back warehouse and we used to deliver parts and pieces and tools to commercial and industrial electrical job sites. So I did that for about two years. And then I was accepted into IBW Local 375s into the union. I was an apprentice. I was a first year apprentice at 23. So it was great having that experience working in the electrical shops. Yeah, I met a bunch of the guys. It just made an easy transition. I went through a five-year electrical apprenticeship, commercial industrial, to become an inside journeyman wireman. That was just one of the greatest experiences of my life. And that really set the groundwork for the future for me. I was fortunate to have apprentice on a really, really solid old school journeyman. 
and, you know, old leatherneck guys that were taught, a lot of these guys were 10 to 15 years or even five years away from retiring. So they learned the old, old ways. I mean, these guys were not soft and they worked hard on me, especially being young, which I embraced because they taught me about taking pride in my work and showing up every day and becoming someone, becoming a professional. I did all that. I went through my old apprenticeship. Unfortunately, the economy started to tank around 0708 or 0708. I didn't want to be a laid off union guy. I was laid off at the time for about a year and a half. I tried to start my own business, but I didn't know anything about business. I just want to stay working. I started looking elsewhere and I'm definitely green and always been a little bit of a hippie at heart. And I was introduced to Bill Hennessy. He was the president of the Mid-Atlantic Renewable Energy Association. And I think it was about 28, 30 at that time or so. And Bill was a little standoffish and you know a little more reserved. He lived on Burke's PA at the time and he had his own company going, just doing solar installs for the community and farmers. And, you know, just a great grassroots guy. And I had to kind of force myself under his wing to try. I really wanted him to teach me and guide me. And the first thing he told me is, kid, SEI, you have to take classes from Solar Energy International. So I took the PV 101, then I think I took the 202 and just kept going from there. After that, I was kind of off and running. We did some community projects like workshops with Penn State University, Muhlenberg College, and other local workshops in the community to help promote solar installations. A few years went by. I did some traveling around in Costa Rica for a bit. I came back. I got an opportunity to start working at a commercial EPC, Vanguard Energy Partners, where we met. The rest is kind of history after that. When we were at Vanguard at that time, I was in design. Oh, you were in design? Yeah, I was in design working for Pete and my buddy James Pete. E. Mose. Yeah, Pete Osowski with Vanguard. Pete and Alex were at our summer solstice event. Yeah, if you haven't been to the solstice parties, <laughs> yeah, definitely go, but be careful. They're a little too much fun. But no, anyway, so I worked at Vanguard. I remember Jim LaFleur was CEO at the time, and I think I was there for just about a year. He came to me one day and said, hey, you're an electrician by trade. I said, yeah, yeah, it's on my resume. I can't believe you didn't know that. He goes, no, well, I want to start an O&M division. Yeah, I would really want you to help her. So I jumped in there and was a key person, I guess, or contributor to building out their O&M division. And it's a very successful group right now. It's James Mimone's running that right now. Some other guys that I brought into in the past. Jason Wien, Todd Mitchell came in. It was a great group. We were all learning. I remember the. I remember it was a Somerset County phase one. Oh, wrong. yeah. I don't know if it was Pete or or even Jim, but they go, okay, here you go. We have a project with, I think it was Citibank at the time. Citibank's the one. And they go, here you go. You got 18 projects to close out in less than three months. And you have to figure out how to commission this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh boy, here we go. I had to do research about IV curve tracing, yeah. IR imaging, strength tests. That's where I really got my feet dirty and got tossed in the fire, which was really, really great experience. So after that, I left there and I wanted to see bigger. I worked for regional before, but I wanted to see what it was like working national. So I had an opportunity to work for True South Renewables under Rue Phillips. And Rue's just one of the greatest guys. I've always looked up to Rue. True South is a commercial solar technician. Then last there, got an opportunity to work with one of my most favorite people on this earth, Simon Wilson at Next Phase Solar. Actually, Ben Compton and I, and Ben's kind of like one of the godfathers of solar on him. Ben and I were the first two employees hired by Next Phase, but actually working under the End Phase Energy Umbrella. End Phase acquired Next Phase as their maintenance leg. So I was there for years. I was running their East Coast division, being regional manager. 
After that, there was another acquisition. And I was just getting tired of these acquisitions because there's others at that point. So I remember talking to Chris Grablis for about a year while I was at NextBase. And he said that he and Rick Ivels were starting uh, PV Pros. An O&M company out of Hoboken. It was a sister company of Pure Power Engineering. Chris would call me randomly. We stayed in touch for about a year. And he's like, hey, what about this? You know, Do you know about that? So I was giving him little tips and tricks and pointers. And then after our last acquisition from NextBase, I called him up and I said, Chris, I think I'm ready to sit down and talk you guys. And then we talked. So I came to Hoboken. That was my first time ever in Hoboken. I'm originally from Pennsylvania. So it was like, oh, great cross from Manhattan. Like, this is super cool. But it's like, I really don't like the city. So it was kind of cool. But to keep this short, Chris and I spearheaded PV Pros. They didn't have much in contracts at all when we first started, but we grew a sizable portfolio in three years. I was overseeing operations, Chris was business development. We grew a great team of technicians. And some of those technicians actually worked for Triforce Energy now, which is just Awesome. We stayed together and stayed really close. So after that, PV Pros, their service contracts got acquired by Omnidian. And I went yeah. over there for the ride along with Ben Compton and Jessica Giving. I don't know how many mega, I'm guessing it was around 120, 125 meg or so. We grew this thing over there to be very sizable. I was working directly for Mark Lifman, just another really great guy that I looked up to, taught me a lot. I was a product manager for about six months. And then Mark said to me, Jess, always let me know what you should be working on that's going to make the most amount of impact from the company. So being in product for six months, I started seeing some gaps and things. And I said, Mark, I need to go over operations. I have the experience running this portfolio. And I know the goal of Omnidian is to really grow this to be sizable. So Mark gave the thumbs up. And then, you know, before you know it, I'm working for uh, another really great guy, another great boss, Dave Kenny. And over the course of almost three years, I think we almost tripled that portfolio. I think we were darn near close to 450, maybe a little less than that, about 450 meg across at least 700, 750 commercial assets throughout the nation. That's huge. Huge. So Omnidian is the biggest O&M provider right now in the U.S. or one of the biggest? Uh, I don't know if I consider them an O&M provider. Triforce Energy, we're pure solar commercial utility scale service company. Yeah. You know, boots on the ground, doing the work in the field. Omnidian is more of a technical asset management firm with their oh, proprietary right. monitoring software. So they're a great buffer in between the asset owners, developers, financiers, and service providers. They build a really great service network out there across the country. So instead of a one service company saying, we have coverage everywhere across the nation, we have technicians in every region, which it's not, the case. Yeah, you know, those technicians like, you know, they used to fly around a lot. So Knitting built up this great service network and backing up, I jumped in operations at a team of three people. It was Jessica Gibbon, myself, and two other guys were in there. Fast forwarding to three years later, we grew the portfolio. We tripled in business. And I think I left the company with about a team of 18 between technical asset managers and also performance engineers. Liddy was just one of the best companies I've ever worked for. Great culture, great environment, very supportive, rapidly growing startup. Like it was a lot of fun. But then I started looking at the industry as a whole and a bunch of companies that I know of. Yeah, just everything that was going on in the service and O&M space. And I found a gap. So I'm not going to dig in all the gap in other people's models that I found, but I realized there's an opportunity. And that's why I called Chris one day and said, it's time. It's time for us to make the move and do this on our own because we've done this for so many years. I've been in service. I've been in solar 15 years. I think I've had a primary focus on service for at least 12, if not 13. So it took us about a year, you know, I incorporated the company and then talked a lot, talked a lot and started laying plans out. And then we made the jump and the rest is history. In less than one year, we already had six full-time employees. We probably serviced 
in our first year, at least 400, if not more, yeah. CNI and utility scale assets. One of our first projects within the first six months, Chris and I commissioned 25 megawatt system in New Jersey. You know, everywhere it's Jersey, there's 25 meg systems. There actually are. So that was a great way to cut our teeth down a bit and get some experience there. You know, I'd experienced the utility in the past as well, managing more of it than being on the site. But that's kind of the story to date. To so be continued. To be continued. We're on a really great ride. I can honestly say I'm less stressed out than I've ever been in my entire career. And I think because I've always taken my job and my role seriously and really take it to heart and want to do the best I can. But I've always had somebody to answer. Sure. Right. So now being on my own, it's full freedom. I can really let loose. I can get very creative. I can think outside the box and I can just make it happen. For younger entrepreneurs out there or anybody starting a solar company, whatever part of a PV company you're going to start or own, you can't just ever focus on that one thing. Like we're good at designing or we're good at installing. It's not just that. And this goes back to what one of the meanings of Triforce Energy is. Those three pillars are our technicians, our clients, and our back office. And our goal every day is to try to keep that equilateral triangle as balanced as possible. So, you know, if you want to put heavy, heavy focus on customer service and client experience, it's great. But now your triangle is starting to get tweaked a little bit. So you're heavy in that area, but you're lacking in the other two. So we always try to keep that in mind. But because I'm a blue collar guy, grassroots <laughs> blue collar, and my family, my grandparents and aunt and uncle have owned insurance agencies that they're really service driven, but really on the relationship side, that the customer relationship. So all of that together. And of course, you have to support your back office, trying to help them out, make them as efficient as possible. But just that as a whole, that drives me every day to ensure our success for the future. On days like this, it's Rosen, it's 95, 96 degrees in Jersey, and it's 100% humidity. So it's oh. more like the real feels, probably 105 or so. Oh, Our guys are out there on these commercial rooftops, busting their butt all day long, drinking gallons of water. So I think it's a big message that I have out to the entire industry is like really show value and appreciate those service companies for doing sure. the work. Like you said before, is keeping solar a lot. Like yeah. every day when we get that central inverter flip back on or deal with no communication, you know, everybody's blind to the site. We're the ones in the field making that happen. And I think it's kind of inevitable that field guys, labor guys are kind of downplayed to a certain extent. But in this industry, all the technicians out there, they need to be supported by not just their companies, but the industry as a whole. It's a really important message. Yeah, that is an important message. There's so many interesting points that I could go into. You know, actually, Jesse was the one who introduced me to Amanda Bybee. How has like that partnership with other O&M companies help as far as coming up with standards of what's considered appropriate. Yeah, I missed out on that when I was talking about you know, yeah. the whole history, but there's plenty of my history in there and hey, about it for sure you know, all day long. I was I was fortunate enough to be voted onto the board of directors for the MXONO co-op for about two years. So I got to work closely with a lot of the other, obviously the board members, but key figureheads in service companies and EPCs throughout the country. Amanda's just the rock stars everybody knows, and I'm not going to tutor her too much. <laughs> everybody knows Amanda's just amazing and she spearheaded so much and she's such an advocate for the service space. Some of you listeners out there don't know Amanda, reach out to her, connect with her. She's just an amazing woman and I value her immensely. That time being on the board and when we were PV Pros, we were members of the co-op. Triforce isn't a member yet. Yet is a key word where 
any talks with them and we want to get on board at some point. It was just so busy right now. We don't have much time to invest in the co-op. But going back to like your main question was being involved with some of those member companies. One, it's just a great network of people. It's really going back to grassroots because when I first got into solar, it was like, I remember going to conferences. I remember seeing tie-dyes, Birkenstocks and old solar hippies left and right. And the industry changed, you know, now it's sure. It went mainstream, a lot of corporate, a lot of, a lot of suits and ties, which is great too. There's nothing yeah. wrong with any of it, but the co-op members, they're just great. They're just supportive. They're to brainstorm and their phones are always on. You know, everybody calls each other, say, hey, I'm running this problem. If you run into that, they chat through the software that the co-op uses. And if you need tools last minute, somebody's more than willing to take it to FedEx and overnight it to you. And leading into what you're getting at was the standards. So when I was on the board, we, Zach Hobbs, not just another super rad guy, he's the founder and CEO of Carolina Solar Services in North Carolina. Zach was kicking off an initiative internally in his company, just like I've heard for years, other companies saying, we're going to build an internal training program for our technicians. We're going to build it. We're going to build it. Everybody has aspired to do that. And it's been a great goal, but it's a huge lift to do it yourself in your own company. Oh, it's a small little group. Yeah. But Zach brought it to the board and the board voted unanimously on going all in and creating basically the first or one of the first national solar technician training programs, which is just the greatest thing that could ever happen to our industry, or especially on the service tech. Or no, definitely in the industry because the service techs are the ones that are keeping these assets alive, right? Making sure they're safe, commissioning them, doing construction, QC, project closeout, just everything that goes along with it for not just the first year, but we're talking in the next 30, 40, 50 years. The co-op has been a leader in that. It's just an amazing thing. We're really looking forward to being a part of that again and really contributing more and more to that. But it was great being along for that that initial ride. But standards, geez, man, that's whole other thing is the standards of what each company does and the scopes of work. I mean, I've seen 25, easily 25 different scopes of work for clients over the years. And it's hard for service companies and technicians to, well, what scope yeah. is it today? Is it this point? That point? It's all over the place. So that standardization, you know, we need to start fast tracking that more and more. And I know that Triforce has been working with Mayfield Renewables recently. Ryan Mayfield has been spearheading a lot of that, creating standards for the service industry, which is way overdue. For sure. That's really helpful. I appreciate you explaining that. You know, it was interesting too. You mentioned it was your uncle who got you into being an electrician. Can you talk about now, like most electricians are above the age of 45 in the US. You know, we need young people to get into the trades. Do you see that happening? And how could we get people interested in the trades? That's another great question. That's a hard problem to solve too. As a leading authority in the solar industry, life gets very busy. In addition to traveling the world as a speaker and for my entrepreneurial ventures, I'm a son, friend, investor, and entrepreneur. And when it comes to delivering a great sounding show for my listeners, I choose Podcast Laundry. All I have to do is record and send and the rest is done. They do the dirty work of podcasting for me. Yes, social media graphics, quotes, show notes, master editing, and much more. All I have to do is record. So if you're a busy podcaster like me with an engaged audience and want to free up your time to do more of what you love like going to the gym or spending time with loved ones go to podcastlaundry.com to schedule your consultation or call 347-871-8273 that's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273 I've been leading up more and I'm not a seasoned salesperson or biz dev guy. I've been running operations regionally and nationally for years. It's just been my main experience and I really enjoy doing that. 
But now owning the company with Chris, we wanted to switch roles. He's been biz dev in sales for years and he got sick of it. And I've been kind of bored with ops and just sick of it. So we switch roles. So now being on the biz dev side, I've seen that, I guess, from the network that we've built and the work that we've done in the past, acquiring clients hasn't been the issue at all. And the sales, I don't have to aggressively sell. It's just more, hey, how you doing? I'm talking while like, what's going on? Like, yeah. can we help you out at all? And not, not anything pushy. It's just offering our help. So the sales is there. It's just pouring in like crazy. Like you said, the problem is like with electricity and all the other trades, the pool of people out there, it's super limited, man. And there's electricians, but these electricians like myself, we got, we received formal training. Just talking about the co-op and the National Tech Training Apprenticeship Program, there are a huge pool of solar technicians out there. Everybody's trying to go after the same technicians. They're pulling from each other. There's recruiters going after everybody. So it's super, super difficult. I don't know how to solve this problem. You know, the one thing I can suggest and that we're starting to get involved with is we are engaging with local community colleges and local Votech schools, even high schools, to spread the word about the opportunity of becoming a solar professional in one way or the other, whether it's design engineering, construction, or on the service side. So we're doing that a lot, but we're also looking at other industries. There are a lot of you electricians out there that are listening, like, I think most will agree, you know, being a commercial electrician, we're more of the installation electricians, like maybe 10% of the guys that do a lot of troubleshooting, uh, motor control cabinets and conveyor systems and all kinds of low voltage stuff. But most electricians out there, they know how to run kind of, they know how to set transformers, switch gears, panel boards, pull wire. I don't think, honestly, electricians make the best service technicians. So it's hard where most people want to go after the electrician and as you should, because they've been trained and are qualified yeah. to work safely around my electrical equipment. So that's a must have. You have to have electricians in the company, but you also need to diversify with other trades. So I think the HVAC industry and those technicians oh, are ideal to work to become solar techs. You know, they work on roofs a lot. They do heavy repairs and they also do a lot of troubleshooting and detailed technical troubleshooting. So I think that's a really great area for potential new candidates out there. But yeah, man, as a whole, the lack of just all these geez, all these guys and girls my age that are phasing out of electrical 45 or so, or they're getting towards the end of their career. And the journeyman that we had before us, they're leaving, they're retiring now. So I don't know. It's a tricky one. I think just more community outreach and engagement with younger generations and not just saying, hey, you can have a career in solar. I think it's here's where you start. Here's year two, year three, just like I did, you know, just I received in my union apprenticeship is that there was a career path, professional growth and development. I think that's what more of us, more of companies in our space need to do, but it's time. Our biggest enemy right now is everybody's just jamming away and it's hard to break away. So any people who want to get into the trades, there's a lot of opportunity. There's also a lot of money, a lot of demand, and it's a lot cheaper than going to college for sure. A lot cheaper. A lot cheaper. Going to a trade school or doing an apprenticeship. So one of the things that you said, which is really interesting to me, obviously, Chris and yourself are new to starting your own company. It's interesting because I know Chris's dad has a construction company. You talked about your family having an insurance business. How has having family members involved in having their own business helped you to start? And what have you learned in the past? It's a very short period of time of yourself or qualities you need to have a successful business. Yeah. So having family members that were entrepreneurs, they 
set a certain bar. They set the bar for you to go after and strive to hit or jump over. I think more so than that for me is having the right mentors and the right bosses. So my business knowledge was fast-tracked by two people. And first and foremost, I mean, the main person that fast-tracked my business knowledge was Rick Ivins. Rick's the, the founder and CEO of Pure Power Engineering, and I owe Rick a lot. He gave me an opportunity there, and he allowed Chris and I to spread our wings and figure out this business, and we did. So Rick taught us so much more. Yeah, he just taught us the ins and outs of business as a whole and marketing and sales, and it was just priceless. So I hold a really near, dear place in my heart for Rick. I really appreciate everything he's done for both Chris and I. You know, most recently, worked for Mark Liffman and Dave Kenny. Those guys are geniuses, man. They're wizards. They were always so willing to share the knowledge, share the business knowledge and push to expose myself more, step out of my comfort zone, which is really good as a young entrepreneur. Don't get comfortable. You should strive. You should totally strive to be uncomfortable for sure. And keep your eyes open, your ears open and your mouth shut to a certain extent. And that's kind of what one of my journeymen told me when I was 24. I I said, kid, I'm going to break you down and remold you. And I told this to so many technicians yeah. I worked for over the years. And you know, when I said it, some took it the wrong yeah. way, but it's like, listen, I took that the greatest way yeah. that somebody was willing to invest in me. Oh. They saw that I wanted more and yeah. I was hungry and I wanted to be a shark to eat, not a guppy and get eat. That was really big. But Chris and I are both very fortunate that our families own their own businesses. So we had that. But then also those mentors, especially my mentors yeah. of being the union guy and those journeymen, sure. up to the bosses and business owners that I ultimately worked for that ramped the knowledge really quick. Oh yeah, that's definitely helpful. This has been actually an amazing interview of the podcast. One thing we didn't talk about is now your wife actually works with the Air Triforce Energy, Suzanne Waters, who was our co-host of the Solar Maverick podcast. She worked at Renew Energy. We all worked together at Vanguard Energy Partners. It's amazing to me because that was 2008 and nine, and now we're all still working together 15 years later, 14 years later. And the reason why I'm highlighting that is in business, I believe like relationships are everything. Being honest, having a mindset where you're basically open to possibilities that a closed mindset. And it's just interesting to see even after all these years, we're still partnering. I'm still partnering with people that I know from Vanguard yeah. Energy Partners. We talked about Al Trevera and Pete Osowski coming to my event. They're talking about stuff that happened 14, 15 years ago. Like when I basically kind of started my career in renewable energy and solar specifically. And they were talking about how I've changed through this whole process. I think part of it is that being an entrepreneur. Can you talk about the value of that? Because even when I was talking to you at the lunch, you're talking about people that you've worked with along the way. And one of the things here is like people that you know that helped you to get to where you are now. Yeah, man, it's been 15 years. It's been a long time. And I think most of my solar colleagues and friends and family, like everybody knows Suzanne, my wife and I met at Vanguard. You know, she was a head of proposals. So she was working to the CEO at that time directly. And she was kind of like that quarterback between engineering and finance and sales and service to pull all the information together for the proposals. And by the way, her and I used to sit next to each other. And then I remember when they hired Jesse, Suzanne was telling me how she, like when she first saw you, like, oh, I really like him. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the first lunch. Yeah. I suggested the Japanese yeah. place to go yeah. where we had 
Jesse comes and Suzanne came and that's where in it first. You were talking about Costa Rica because I actually spent some time in Costa Rica. You know, that's crazy after all these years. It is crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame Suzanne either for, you know, balling away. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> because I never hear her say that. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, this is, she's serious. No, I found the love of my life there. I was definitely not expecting that. I'm coming back from Costa Rica six months later, no, three months later from Costa Rica, traveling around, surfing, doing a lot of photography, and then started Vanguard. I was in design for a little bit, but it was more in the, the O&M department. And of course, I'm the scruffy, blue collar gal, yeah, that traditional <laughs> I did not think she'd give me the time of day, but she did. And fast forward, we have been together 12 years. We're coming up on our eighth year anniversary. We have two beautiful kids, healthy and happy. Our son, Jace, is six and a half. Daughter, Elise, is two and a half. And the funny thing is we actually live about five miles from the I've been here. Which, which is awesome. It's right. Yeah, but basically like, yeah, here in Branchburg, New Jersey. By the way, listening to you just then sounded to me like the intro to Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try to pretend to be yeah. that day, John. <laughs> no, but going back to what you said about relationships, you know, relationships are everything to me. Relationships with your spouse, your children, your friends, your family, and in your professional career. I can honestly say that my success and my growth in my career, climbing the ladder, so to speak, which I never really tried to do. I just wanted to grow as a professional. I really attribute that to relationships and being nice to others and caring about others, yeah. being honest and transparent. And the one thing I do every day, I think almost every day, even with my technicians, even with Suzanne being in the company, it's the last thing I say before I get off the phone is, don't hesitate to give me a call if I can help you out with anything. And I mean that, like I mean that a hundred percent. And I think it goes a long way with people. I say it out of the bottom of my heart because I actually do care and I want to help people. I had a rougher upbringing as a kid and in my early twenties, you know, teens and stuff, it was rougher. So I genuinely care about people and I'm always willing to help out wherever I can, whether it's yeah. professional or personal. So that's a really important message right there is we're only here on this earth for so long. Enjoy the ride along the way and build relationships. Always offer that help without ever expecting yeah. anything in return. Yeah, for sure. And you definitely enjoyed the ride at the Renew Energy holiday party. That's fast too much. That ride was too much. That was Gravelis. That was, I think it was between you and Gravelis. You guys were making me have too much fun. Suzanne wasn't yeah. so happy about that. Yeah. But life is short. But yeah, real quick. So Chris and I are fortunate that Suzanne came on board to help us out with the company. Chris and I have our skill sets and our backgrounds. And Suzanne comes from uh, heavy account management and financial yeah. background. And then your dad has his own business yeah. as well. He's a finance guy. Yeah. But Suzanne's come in. She's helped clean up some things that Chris and I just didn't have the time to take care of perfectly. Chris and I bootstrapped this company. You know, I didn't say it before, but... Yeah. I didn't say that. That's actually great. Chris and I, we tried Force Energy New Jersey Solar Services. We're solely owned. Just Chris and I, we did not get any outside funding, no capital raises, no investors, nothing. We made a couple bucks and really small amount of money. And it was nerve wracking yeah. because he had three kids at the time. I had two. Yeah. We were both primary breadwinners for our family. So it was a big risk and big commitment. On paper, it seemed like that. But I knew in my head that there was zero risk to this yeah. because we we're fully committed. All of our experience just built up to this point. It was like, all right, it's time. Now it's game on. Now we're going to make our impact. But yeah, we're really fortunate Suzanne came up because Chris and I, we started two guys, one truck and some tools. Yeah. That was it. Day one, we we're in the field and Chris and I worked in the field together for probably about a year. And then I started backing out of the field 
I'm almost in the office about five days a week yeah. now, but I try to get out one to two days a week yeah. when possible. But there's so much with play communications and just a lot going on that we're kind of drinking out of fire hose right now with work. So Chris is really committed into growth and development of our technicians and really becoming a true subject matter expert out in the field to further develop our field processes, yeah. et cetera. So he's on the field consistently now. He's going to have to start backing in the office because it's getting a lot just for myself and Suzanne. So it's been great having and Sue's on board. Yes, yeah, a lot of fun working with my wife every day because I get to boss her around a little bit. <laughs> but the big thing is, but if I boss her around too much, then she really gets me at night. There's a fine line There's between that. I'm sure. I've learned a lot from her and it's great that yeah. he's come in from having a solar experience years ago yeah. to a big pause and then getting back in. It's great to have her fresh set of eyes. She's done other stuff right. outside. She's brought that perspective because yes. obviously she was doing other stuff with the Renew Energy. But out exactly. the podcast yep. as well was a huge thing for her to learn and get back into it. Yep. It's always interesting working in a family business. I actually worked for both my parents' businesses. I learned so much from that. But obviously there's egos and then you have to come home and figure things out. There's obviously positives and negatives. The other key thing that I wanted to mention is you don't have to raise money to start a business. You know, most people think you have to raise money. Obviously, Jesse and Chris with Triforce Energy, they use basically money they saved up and then obviously revenue of reinvested in the business. I've had Renew Energy now for 10 years and I own 100% of the company and we haven't taken any money from any investors. It's great because it gives you like some freedom because you don't technically have to report to investors like, I'm always focused on the long term, not on the quick sort of profit. Same here. My reputation's important. That's interesting to hear how you guys have done it. This has been an amazing interview, Jesse. I really appreciate you making time. I know you're really busy. Can you talk about what's the best way to learn more about Triforce Energy? Thanks again for having me. Sorry it took me 137 episodes <laughs> later to come on, but I actually gifted that episode to Chris. I was nervous as could be. I don't yeah. like being center of attention, but now being co-owner of this company, I really want to get our message out there and share with others or offer our services to others. Wherever we can help in any kind of capacity, we will and we want to. So best way to get a hold of us is you can get a hold of me through LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Chris is also on LinkedIn. Triforce is on there. Our website is www.triforceenergy.com. But yeah, also through your podcast too, bud. We'll have obviously that in the notes of the podcast as well, like how to reach you guys. Thank you again. Pura Vida. Pura Vida, buddy. <laughs> and talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown.